Welcome once again to the QuackCast, a skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of quacks, frauds, and charlatans. Uh, I'm sorry, I mean alternative and complementary medicine. Or as I heard it referred to on the skeptic tank, you have to include supplements. So it's supplementary, complementary, alternative medicines. Who can pass up an acronym like that? Not this fat boy. As Thomas Jefferson said in a different context, ridicule is the only weapon that can be used against unintelligible propositions. Ideas must be distinct before reason could act upon them. That is the whole raison d'etre of this podcast. This podcast is dated April 2007 and is going to cover magnetism. It is brought to you as a side project of Pusware LLC, the publisher of the Persiflazer's Annotated Compendium of Infectious Disease Facts, Opinion, and Dogma, your uber hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases, available at pusware.com, where you will find the Persiflazer's Infectious Disease Podcast, a CME-accredited bi-weekly review of infectious diseases. References are on the show notes page, and old podcasts are archived there as well. If you want to just play MP3s on your non-iPod, the MP3s are available on my .mac public folder, link also on the website. As an aside, unlike my infectious disease podcasts, which are very easy to do, these take about a month or so to write, so don't expect them much more often than that. I marvel at those who can turn out podcasts of original material on a weekly basis. Plus, it's hard to find quiet time for recording. So, anyway, now on to the vicious screeds. The topic du jour today is magnetic therapy. I do this podcast under the cloud of the BS program by Penn & Teller on alternative medicine. Their segment on magnetism is perhaps the best sarcastic evaluation of this bit of nonsense ever. Bending a drain pipe into the shape of a magnet, painting it the color of a horseshoe magnet, and then treating people and getting a positive response to the therapy was in some ways the definitive statement on the ludicrousness of magnetic therapy. But hey, I will try my best with my Zaphod Beeble Brox-like arrogance. First, the history. Magnets are cool, at least I think so. I am still amazed, even though I know some of the physics of magnets, that I can't push two magnets together. I love to play with magnets. I also love to play with mercury in the thermometer, so my choice in toys may not be optimal. See the origins of the phrase, mad as a hatter, if you're interested. It is not surprising to me that in the depths of time, people tried these mysterious substances on illnesses. When you lack modern concepts of the pathophysiology of disease, it's understandable that the ancients would try magnets and see if they helped to make people better. I'm inclined to experiment with things I don't understand to see if they'll make my life better, like Windows Vista. Didn't work. So over time, many healers stuck magnets in and around patients to see if they'd do anything. They didn't. But we know better today, do we not? Not. Magnetism first acquired its American idol-like magnitude of popularity with Franz Mesmer, whose name is immortalized in the word franzized, meaning to turn someone into a loaf of sandwich bread, a really stupid reference slash pun that will only be understood by people who live in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Mesmer actually didn't use magnets, and although he came up with the concept of animal magnetism, his idea had nothing to do with magnets. Animal magnetism, he thought, was found in living creatures and could not affect a compass, and was a term used to differentiate his idea from mineral magnetism, the magnetism present in rocks and metal that could affect a compass. And his magnetism was a fluid or energy that was unmeasured and unmeasurable, yet present in all living things, and the blockages of this magnetic fluid was the source of all disease. And the fluid or energy could be manipulated by the practitioner, especially Dr. Mesmer, who was full of it, animal magnetism, that is, to increase the health of patients. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Anyone? Bueller? See, there ain't nothing new under the sun. 
I commend to your reading his Propositions Concerning Animal Magnetism from 1779. The link, of course, is on the website, where he outlines the 27 key concepts of his discovery. Mesmer could be describing therapeutic touch or chiropractic or acupuncture or any of the numerous quack energy therapies inflicted on the gullible today. As the French would say, plus se change, plus c'est la même chose. I like the French, especially their Bordeaux. An interesting aspect of Mesmer's therapies was his baquet, B-A-Q-U-E-T, a large wooden tub which he filled with bottles of magnetic metal and stone and so forth, which he magnetized himself by either touching or pointing at them. The baquet had iron rods projecting from it, and patients pressed against these metal rods, and they had their affected parts of their bodies cured. They also held hands during this therapy to allow the animal magnetism to flow through the group. There were many grateful patients who wrote testimonials to the efficacy of the treatment. Again, sounds familiar. I just read an energy therapy practitioner who aligns everybody's energies at the same time in the room. Now, the argument in favor of scams is that they are popular, that conventional medicine is too limited to understand the therapy, that a dis genius has discovered the truth with a capital T, and the patients report unqualified and amazing successes. These criteria apply to Mesmer then as they apply to acupuncture and chiropractic today. I wonder if any of you scam proponents out there think Mesmer was legitimate or a quack. You know my email address. The last curious thing about Dr. Mesmer's theory is that it was debunked by a royal commission that included Benjamin Franklin and the infamous Dr. Guillotine. I would be tempted to cut Dr. Mesmer some slack as he was doing his work in the late 1700s. He really couldn't be expected to know that all the effects of his interventions were not due to the transfer of his powerful animal magnetism, but were actually due to the in-rays he was emitting. But anyway... Back to real magnets and fake therapies. Like wars and voting, magnetic therapy has had its ups and downs over the last several centuries, and like all forms of nonsense, has seen an upsurge in the last three decades. How popular is magnetism? The NCCAM site says there are $500 million a year spent in the U.S. and $2 billion a year worldwide wasted on magnetic therapy. A what in his money are soon parted? I think Mr. T would know the answer to that. If you do a search for magnetic therapy on Google, you'll get 1.7 million hits as I write this. And if you add skeptic to the search, you get 14,800 hits. Enough said. What about the physics of magnets? Oh, God, no, not physics. Well, there are two types of magnets. Static, like what holds the painting of your two-year-old to the fridge, and electromagnets. A changing magnetic field elicits an electric current, and a changing electric current elicits a magnetic field. Most allegedly therapeutic magnets are static magnets, as there are an insufficiency of long enough extension cords to make wearing an electromagnet practical as you are out and about. For entertainment's sake, I emailed a series of magnetic purveyors about which magnetic product would be best for my pacemaker pain, and they all said don't do it. So they do know enough to say that magnets should not be used near pacemakers, although one said it was due to the fact that it would deplete the battery, which I suppose it would if it caused your pacemaker to fire uncontrollably. Not that it would. But it's a changing magnetic field that generates electricity, so a static magnet can have no effects that are due to electrical interactions with tissues. 
So given the tight relationship between magnets and electricity, if static magnets have any effects on tissue, it must be due to the magnetism alone. Please, dear God, no more physics, please. Sorry. Magnetic force is measured in Gauss and falls away in the strength at the rate of 1 over the distance squared. It also depends in part upon the size and the shape of the magnet. But 1 over the rate distance squared is pretty fast. For an example, oh, here come the numbers. A 1-inch diameter grade 35 neomagnet that is a quarter inch long will measure approximately 2,500 gauss, one sixteenth an inch away from the surface. By the time you get to an inch away, it's only 220 gauss. So in an inch of distance from the magnet, the magnetic field has fallen by a factor of 10. Now, to give an idea of the strength of one gauss, that's about the magnetic field of the Earth, the force responsible for the northern lights, the compass, and why all the metal objects on the planet are continually flying off towards the North Pole. This is why no one can wear any metal on Earth, that dastardly magnetic field. And there are a variety of static magnets available out there. There are the iron magnets we used as a kid. There are ceramic magnets, like those on the fridge, with a few hundred gauss. And finally, there are the neodymium magnets that can reach upwards of 20,000 gauss. By the way, some magnetic sites say that magnetic strength can be increased by alternating magnetic strips, positive next to negative, negative next to positive, etc. Sound good, right? Nope. Alternating the magnetics cancels out the magnetic fields, decreasing the magnetic force. Also, if your magnetic provider says he has a unipolar magnet, and some of them do, ask him to show you her Nobel Prize. The unipolar magnet is unheard of. But here I must pause to quote from SpinalBrace.com. Quote, there are two types of magnets. Bipolar magnets have repeatable north-south polarity on the same side of the magnet. These magnets are usually thin and flexible. Unipolar is used to distinguish the other category of magnets that are usually unidirectionally applied to the body. The two magnetic poles are located on different sides of the magnet, the south pole on one side and the north pole on the other. By giving both poles on different sides, one may better exploit the basic laws of physics and assure a greater depth of penetration, generally four to eight times larger than bipolar magnets, unquote. Say what? I await the email that explains this contradictory gibberish to me. So often alternative medicine sites try to snow people with pseudoscientific BS. Bipolar magnets? I think a whole lot more than the magnets are bipolar here. I've taken care of a lot of bipolars in my day, and many of them have apparently taken to writing about magnets when they're in their manic phase. Thank God he's done with the physics. Well, what are the purported effects of magnets? Well, magnets are generally used for pain. Supposedly, they increase blood flow or increase heat to the affected areas. Just how might magnets do that? Well, there's iron in the blood, so magnets will interact with the iron and draw it to areas of injury. This ignores the fact that iron in the blood is almost completely magnetically neutral, which is why I can send you off for an MRI, i.e. magnetic resonance imaging, which often have a strength of over 20,000 gauss, and you are not reduced to goo. Iron in the blood, which is a complex of hemoglobin protein and red cells, is unaffected by magnets. So much for magnets getting their effects by interacting with iron. The other option is that since there are charged ions in the blood, the magnet will attract or repel the ions and agitate them, 
and cause an increase in heat, like shaking a bottle. To quote Dr. Baxt's website, who is the only holder of a magnetic therapy patent, number 5,777,333 if you want to search for it, quote, by placing a powerful negative magnetic field over the nerve, the magnetically positively charged ions will be attracted to the negative magnetic field, thus impleting the flow of the positively charged ions along the nerves to the brain. Of course, some of the positive ions will escape, allowing sensation, end quote. Pain is thus relieved, and they do so much more. As a salesman of the P-loop magnetic ring says, quote, When blood throws through this magnetic field, the blood cells spin, then separate from each other, giving each cell more surface area to carry much more oxygen and vital nutrients. The magnetic field also widens your blood vessels, allowing more blood to throw through. The P-loop site, by the way, is a hoot. It is the one place collecting all the nonsense about magnetic fields and magnetic therapy you could possibly want. If you only go to one magnet site, go to the P-Loop site, P-E-L-O-O-P. Again, the physics of this is not so promising. Ha, you thought you were done with the physics. It has been calculated that a one Gauss field will agitate a sodium ion about one-tenth the diameter of the atom. It turns out that the thermal agitation from body heat, i.e. Brownian motion, 10 million times stronger for agitating the ions in the blood than a 250 Gauss magnetic field. Magnetic fields do not, and in my narrow reductionist Western medical mind, cannot do anything to the atoms in your blood, and any magnetic effect that may happen is overwhelmed by simple body heat. Comes to ions in the blood, magnets are the Ned Racine to Thermal Energy's Maddie Walker. That's an obscure film reference, by the way. I am aiming for Dennis Miller levels of obscurity in my asides. In other words, the effective magnets on the blood are as minimal as a troop surge in Iraq. And if magnets really did increase blood flow, then why does holding a magnet in your hand not increase the redness and warmth over the area where you are holding it? It should happen if magnets were increasing blood flow. Besides not increasing heat and blood flow, they are also supposed to decrease pain by altering the electric current in nerves. Sounds good. A moving electric current should be affected by a magnet. It's how the TV screen functions. Well, it did. I still have a TV with a CRT screen. It's like my kids do not, do not get the concept of a phonograph record or a dial telephone. The younger listener will have a plasma or LCD screen, may not understand how a TV screen works. Damn, I'm getting old. But enough with whining. Can magnets affect nerve conduction? Well, perhaps. It turns out that the magnetic field required to decrease nerve conduction by 10% is around 250,000 Gauss, a wee bit more than you can apply with the magnets available, even with an MRI. And as I said, if you were paying attention, an MRI has at most 20,000 Gauss. So my take is if you want to find a magnetic field that will have a medical use to decrease your pain, I suggest you ask Magneto, the evil master of magnetism, head of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and arch foe of the X-Men. Magneto could generate such a field. I think that would be the only way to get pain relief from magnets on this planet. Magnets have all the physical plausibility of homeopathy, and they have all the biologic plausibility of homeopathy, i.e. nil. Hello, this is Dr. Duath Ekath. And a big thank you to my friends at QuackCast for giving me this opportunity to tell you 
to tune in to the Tank Podcast at www.mysteryinvestigators.com to hear all about my adventures with my magnetic Reiki socks and magnetic Reiki gloves. They really work, you know. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Ecaf. I love Dr. Ecaf. Well, what about clinical studies? Maybe magnets work. Just because they shouldn't work physiologically and they shouldn't work physically doesn't mean they don't work. I mean, they have a physics and biologic plausibility. I need an open mind. There are more things in heaven and earth, blah, 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 blah. I will pause here for a quote by Michael Weatherall, which I found on the skeptic page on the topic of N-rays. Quote, one of the first things I did with every graduate student who worked with me is convince them how difficult it is to keep oneself from unconscious bias, unquote. And all the quote is in reference to particle physics, it is even more true in the biosciences where controlling and keeping track of the multitude of variables in a clinical study makes good studies exceedingly hard and expensive to do. The big issue in all medical studies, especially in alternative medicine studies, is unconscious bias. An unconscious bias can show up in rather unexpected ways. For example, a recent study in JAMA demonstrated potential bias may be determined by who funded the study. They looked at the outcome of clinical studies and how the studies were funded. Funding by pharma, mixed funding, or completely independent funding. Favorable outcomes were greater in studies that were funded by big pharma. It was mixed results if the study was funded partially by pharma and partially by independent sources. And if it was funded by an independent source, it was least likely to have a favorable outcome. The only thing more powerful than money is belief. I believe I was paid to say that. I mention this because bias can creep into all studies and can taint them. The first thing you do is to look at who's paying for the study to know how much you can believe the results. Now, a big potential bias problem with any magnetic study is the issue of blinding the patients. All one needs to do to see if they're in the magnetic wing of the study is to see if metal sticks to you. So knowing if you're getting the magnet wing of the therapy is easy. This makes a placebo arm for testing medical magnets problematic. The other issue with magnet studies is they are a hodgepodge of diseases and of magnetic strengths given for a variable duration of time that makes comparisons of studies probably a waste of time. Like so much of the scam literature, since there is not a valid underlying reason the intervention should work, they have no good criteria for choosing what disease they will test. Now, I know the mechanism of effect of penicillin, so I know which diseases it would be reasonable to treat in the study. I don't know, however, why or how magnets or acupuncture or homeopathy work, so I'll try it on a variety of diseases and hope for the best. When you read the literature of a scam modality in its entirety, you quickly realize that these studies are mostly throwing crap at the wall, hoping something sticks, and if it does, placing the target over the crap so it appears like they hit something. And I keep re-emphasizing that subjective findings are always problematic. Unlike my residents, you can't hold up your fingers to mention the number of times I have mentioned something. Subjectively, people think they are better when objectively they are not. This is kind of a Zen koan, don't you think? 
Now, I know that if a tree falls in the forest and there is no one there to hear it, it does not make a sound. This was clearly shown in a classic study by Bob and Ray in the 1950s. But if patients are subjectively but not objectively improved, are they better? And since most of these studies with magnets are on pain, all we have is subjective improvements. So plug magnets into PubMed and what do you get? Well, the usual. The better the study and the better the journal, the less the effect. It's the scam correlate of the old definition of an expert. Someone who knows more and more about less and less until they know everything about nothing. That's me. In AltMed, they do better studies on more and more patients until they know it does nothing to everyone. i got to work on that. I think it shows promise, but anyway. So what are the diseases and syndromes that have been treated with magnets? Heel pain? Yep. Comparing magnets to placebo, well, they had studies in JAMA and in Mayo Clinic that says they did diddly. Diddly, by the way, is a medical term. It's from the Latin jack squat. And the JAMA article had the usual interesting effect in that at eight weeks, 33% of patients in the placebo group and 35% of the patients in the magnetic therapy group reported being all or mostly better. Now, they did a separate analysis, and the researchers determined that the participants who felt that they had magnets were more likely to have a decrease in pain at weeks than those who did not believe that they had magnets. So the belief that they had magnets in their shoes, whether they did or not, was what was correlated with having a decrease in your pain. And by the end of the study, neither group was better at predicting assignment as to whether they got magnets or not than chance would dictate. So this really gets to the heart of the matter. If the patients think their pain will get better, there is a good chance it will. Is it association or causality? Well, I'll leave it to others to decide if it is ethical to make people better by knowingly lying to them. Me? I don't know. And this is not the topic of this podcast. Like I really pay attention to the topic of this podcast. How about diabetic neuropathy? Well, wearing a 450 Gauss magnetic insole for four months did decrease pain and numbness and burning. Now, 450 Gauss isn't much, and one would predict that the effects would be minimal. And this was published in the Archives of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. This is not one of your top journals, but not necessarily a bad one. There is a hierarchy in medical journals, and the best studies get published in the best journals. So generally speaking, JAMA, Archives, Annals, New England Journal of Medicines are ones that you believe the most. Magnets help the pain of carpal tunnel syndrome. Well, when compared to placebo, the answer is nope. Big surprise there. And a Cochrane review suggested that magnets have nothing to do with treatment of carpal tunnel pain. And the Cochrane Reviews are one of the few trustworthy sources of meta-analyses. Can magnets affect menstrual cramps? Well, 65 women were randomized to get 27 Gauss magnets, or placebo, for their dysmenorrhea, i.e. menstrual pain. And they lost 30 patients to follow-up in the study. They lost half the patients in follow-up, probably invalidating the results right there. But of the 35 who were left, those who had magnets fixed to their pelvis had less pain. Now, if you judge a man by the company she keeps, this was published in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine. Call me when they reach the level of a good journal. Magnets for preventing or decreasing exercise-induced muscle pain? Hmm, let me see. Nope, didn't do crap. 
How about magnets for osteoarthritis, pain of the knee and hip? Now, wearing a weak magnetic bracelet on your wrist, which is several feet and anatomically distant from the pain, did decrease the pain in patients who wore them. Now, curiously, about a third knew that they had a magnet for the obvious reasons, magnets not being easy to hide. But the authors state, and here I quote, Comparing the outcomes for the different belief groups is not appropriate because belief may follow benefit or lack of it. Any differences would therefore be hard to interpret, end quote. So even though it's been well shown that patients who think they're going to get better do get better, they did not consider that to be an appropriate analysis of the study. No wonder these Maroons said, quote, it is uncertain whether this response is due to specific or nonspecific, i.e. placebo effects, end quote. Duh. But the senior author is a professor of complementary medicine, so their interpretation of the data must be okay. In a knee pain study where they put magnets on knees for a mere 27 patients versus placebo, it did improve the pain at four hours, but not at six weeks. However, 29 patients is not enough to say anything for sure. Have there been meta-analyses for pain? Yep. In the ever-reliable Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, there was a, quote, critical review of randomized controlled trials of static magnets for pain relief. They suggested an effect. If I may give in to an ad hominem, and I may since it's my podcast, the word critical in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine is like finding ethics in a White House report. It doesn't belong there. Will flexible magnets make you stronger? It apparently worked for Barry Bonds, who wrapped themselves in magnets in order to hit all those home runs. Or was it steroids? I don't know. I confuse so easily. But magnets don't increase your muscle strength, which is a bummer. You'll still have to go work out at the gym. Static magnets did increase the sensory dimensions and intensity of shoulder pain in patients with spinal cord injury. But these were eight volunteers who knew they were getting magnets. And I've, I've said it once, I've said it a billion times, the plural of anecdote is anecdotes, not data. Eight cases in this case is just eight anecdotes. And in a huge study, 20 patients, it apparently improved healing in wounds after suction lipoplasty. I intend to use it after my brain biopsy. So in summary, after I've mentioned this in tedious detail, what are the overall clinical effects of magnets? Mostly nothing. At best, one maybe good study that maybe showed effects, the diabetic neuropathy. The rest were crap. And I must say, this has been the worst bunch of medical studies I have yet to read. It is amazing what crap gets published to fill up medical journals and pad curriculum vitae. So when you're done with this review, if you want to go see your tax dollars in action, that's one word as in no action, go and read the web page on the use of magnets at the National Center of Complementary and Alternative Medicine, the quack wing of the NIH. See what you think. Me, I didn't know weasels could write. As always, if you don't believe what I say, and you shouldn't, I'm a pathological liar, you should go to my website and download the references yourself. Be prepared to get some serious sleeping then. Hello, this is Dr. Duath Ekath. I am a ninth level Reiki master, even though the levels really go up to eight. I'm a nine. I am the only importer 
of magnetic Reiki gloves and the famous magnetic Reiki socks for when people like to walk all over you. I would like to tell my friends listening to QuackCast about my new product, Magnetic Reiki Condoms. Oh yes, they're great. You see, if they happen to fail, then your child is sure to be endowed with the magnetic, lovely Reiki healing properties for the rest of their lives. Thank you very much. And you can hear more about me at mysteryinvestigators.com. Thank you, Doctor. I appreciate your input. Now, there are many other purported uses for magnets that are equally crazy and allegedly work on the same principles as magnetic magnets. Imagine I am making finger quotes when I say work and principle. It is really amazing to wander the Internet in search of magnetic miracles. You can, of course, get magnets for your pets. You can get magnets to age your red wine immediately. These products can, and I quote, the magnetizer flavoring naturally changes the molecular texture of the liquid, which the result that the liquid is much smoother texture and therefore a different taste, end quote. Works on wine, it works on pop, and it works on beer. Now you can do what you want with my patients, but leave my Bordeaux, ESBs, and IPAs alone. Have you no humanity? You can strap magnets to your water pipes, to decrease the lime buildup and soften your water. There are magnetic laundry balls to help you clean your clothes. You can use them in your car to increase your gas mileage. All you need to do is to clip a magnet to your fuel line to align your fuel molecules so they burn better. does the same thing to natural gas as well. Now I remember, it's a fuel in his money that are soon parted. I'll pause here while you groan. That's a callback, of course, to an earlier part of the podcast. Types and prices, you can check them yourself out on the Internet. You can get a magnet for any part of your body or for your furniture. You can get chair covers. You can get mattresses. 20 to 30 bucks is typical, but I've seen products that go as high as $300, especially if they're patented. And again, I have to mention the P-Loop, P-E-L-O-O-P. I have to. This is a natural male enhancer. It goes for 40 bucks, and it was invented by, get this, Omar Long. Really, I can't make these things up. Check it out yourself on the web. I wonder how many people, however, in this world are trapped, clad in their magnetic devices. They crawl into their magnetic bed with their magnetic pillow, never to rise again, trapped for eternity in a perpetual magnetic coffin. And... As a final aside, I did find out that the magnetic condom is actually patented, so Dr. Ecaf was too late. I also found out that the U.S. Patent Office has patented the unipolar magnet. I think it's safe to say that the U.S. Patent Office is really slipping. So what are the conclusions, besides the fact that I'm a self-absorbed blowhard? Well, magnets have no effects at the current strength. That magnetic therapy has no physical or biologic plausibility. That magnets have no discernible biological effects unless you drop them on your toe or stick it next to your pacemaker. The medical literature does not support the use of therapeutic magnets. The magnets cost real money and do nothing. Other than that, of course, they're just great. So, sadly, that brings us to the end of this podcast. 
I, of course, want to thank Mr. Richard Saunders, the president of the Australian Skeptics, for, for providing the short messages from the magnetic Reiki master, Dr. Duarf Ekaf. For more of the good doctor, listen to the Skeptic Tank out of Australia, the podcast of the Australian Skeptics. The link is at the website. This podcast is brought to you as a side project of Pusware.com, where you will find the Persiflagers podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases, where if you're a physician, you can even get type 1 CME. Copyright 2007, Creative Commons. References are on the show notes and can be linked from quackcast.com, where old podcasts are archived as well. Send your hate mail, spam, and questions about quackery to knowitall at quackcast.com, and I might answer it if I have the time. My name, however, is Mark, not Dr. Chrislip. Mark is the sound of a hair-lipped dog. Mark, Mark. I only use doctor when I call another doctor's office so I don't get put on hold, and that really works. Feedback would be of great interest, both positive and negative. I wouldn't mind being accused of being a tool of the medical industrial complex if you see fit. The reviewer who gave me one star out of five on iTunes gave, made my nine-year-old cry. Nice going. Not really. The music is by my son when he was 12 years old, improvising on the guitar. He now has a Gibson Les Paul, much better, he says, than a Fender. Who am I to know? And if you will excuse me, I need to go and get my magnetic golf glove and bracelet. With my eldest son shooting a 37 last time out, I need all the help I can get. Thanks. Bye.